0: Swim Talkers, and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. I'm your host, Danielle Sperling, and each week I chat to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. On the podcast today, we chat with master swimmer and myotherapist Kerry Layton. We covered a lot about swimmers' injuries and how to manage them while continuing to swim. This is a really informative chat, and I hope you enjoy it. There you go, Bob. Hi, Kerry. Welcome to the podcast hi danielle thank you for having me on oh you're welcome i've been wanting to get you on for a while i'm glad you agreed to come on and have a bit of a chat to us where are oh, you based in right. melbourne
1: um i'm in glen iris in melbourne so um, very close to the pool where i swim which is very handy for me i don't have to uh, fight the traffic to get to training
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you had a swim this morning what did you uh what did you do in your training set this morning well, um, we had
1: we did have a swim. There was a group of us that just get together on Friday mornings. We had um, uh, we have one of the guys that we swim with, Pete. He sets the sessions on Friday. So, what do we do today? We we have names for everything. So we do the DAO, which is named after a particular um, team member, and that's five one hundreds. Then we do two twos, three ones um 450s 425s and sort of a bit either side of that so that was the main set basically and lots of talking and laughing which is uh, probably takes a lot longer than the swim actually
0: (laughs) how many did you have in the uh pete's plotters this morning There were
1: eight of us. We had quite a big gang of us today, so it was good. Um, Good to see some faces that we don't see as much these days that are starting to come back. So we have a a lovely group and, as I said, you know, lots of laughs, which is really
0: important. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that's the the cornerstone or the bedstone of Master Swimming. Um, Aside from getting fit and, you know, participating in swimming, it's the lovely friendships that you make as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's also good to, you know, you're getting fit with friends, which makes it a lot easier when you're doing some of these sessions, which you think, geez, when you're swimming them, but it's so much easier when you're with a group. Um, I think so. Anyway, it, it really helps with training and um, you just push that little
0: bit harder and get a little bit more in, in your swim. Yeah, definitely. It's a, It's tough swimming by yourself and doing that to stay motivated all the time, isn't it? I think so.
1: Swimming is is like that. A solo swimmer is um, a rare find, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. How did you first get started in master swimming?
1: Um, well, I I didn't swim as a kid. I started swimming at uni. I did sports science like you um, and they had a squad. So, you know, that was at uni. And then I just kept swimming by myself or with some friends, and then I had my eldest child who's 16 now, and she was a nightmare in her first year, (laughs) no sleep whatsoever. So I went from this really active person that did something every day to pretty much zero, and Darren, my partner, said we'd just moved back from Sydney, and he said, I'm taking you across the road. There's a fantastic master swimming club um, that he had swam with um, previously and he said you, you're going to swim with them you need to be you know you need to get back into it and I remember going across it was a beautiful day and Jan was the coach and uh, it just started from there I, I got hooked absolutely hooked so religiously three times a week I could never miss my my uh, squad session it was everything had to be organized around these sessions <laughs> I know it was really good it was good for my mental health at that time because I was absolutely exhausted so it it really um helped pick me up back up again yeah
0: yeah yeah I think um it's a common sort of story I hear like people sort of change their sort of life around that swimming sort of um sessions that they attend or their even their work commitments I've you know yeah and that was very common everyone
1: (laughs) I couldn't believe, you know, at 9.30 you'd have 30 people there. Did these people not work? (laughs) But everyone had negotiated that time off, which um, yeah is quite funny. And then obviously COVID hit and it's completely changed, I think, now. Um, You know, I, I know with myself the times that I assume
0: now have changed a lot. So COVID did change things. Yeah, I think, I think also in the fact that you were allowed to start swimming with one or exercising with one other person and that's why a lot of sort of smaller groups formed away from that. Yes, yep. yeah. Yeah, and then obviously that sort of continued. I know you dabbled in a bit of um, open water during that time as well. How did you find that with the cold water? Uh,
1: I love open water swimming. I think there's nothing. I, I just find it. I, I really love it. Um, so that was was great and also you know no cars on the road so to get to the beach from here when we were allowed of course um uh, was was uh i think probably you know the the easiest but it was be able to get down there in a short period of time i just don't have that time anymore which i'm really upset about but that was fantastic you know i know we we're only meant to swim with one other but there was sort of twos and twos and twos. <laughs> so the community there was was great um I, I loved just, you know, swimming pole to pole. I felt safe. Um, it was a really good atmosphere. So I'd, I'd say that for me. Um, yeah, I, swimming in the middle of winter though, yeah, that was tough. I, I, you know, the water got to nine degrees, which for some people that's fine. And those who swim all year round without wetsuits, i take my hat off to them because there's just no way. It, ta- it literally takes your breath away. Yeah. But you feel amazing afterwards. And I think that's what hooks you in. So I think, you know, I will try and return to that once, you know, the kids kind of (laughs) go and do their own thing. It's just too hard when you've got, you know, the kids around. Yeah,
0: absolutely. One of the reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast was to discuss your myotherapy career and how that can help swimmers how did you first get started in myo and talk us through sort of the journey that you've been on because I know you did a sports science degree how did you end up as a myotherapist
1: yeah so um, I you know out of school went into uh, sports science like you and um, worked as an exercise physiologist and in corporate health for many many years and then again like swimming I had you know had the kids and I just decided I needed a change. I'd worked, you know, in, in corporate health. Um, we traveled around a bit. So I worked in Sydney and New Zealand and, and Melbourne. I uh, Just feel like felt like I needed to do something else. And during the time I worked in that area, I had a couple of myotherapists work for me. And also my main sport was taekwondo. So um, I use therapists sort of. Um, just to help me in, with injury or maintenance and um, prevention of injury. And I, I absolutely loved what they did. So, you know, I was sitting down here, what do I want to do now? I, I want to do something else. And um, I looked at a couple of things, uh, whether I should go back and study physio or and then myotherapy and osteo. So I just really probably the the time that I'd spent with the myotherapist Back when I was working in corporate health, I really really admired what they did and their knowledge of the body and injuries as well,
0: yeah. And for those people listening who get confused between myotherapy, osteo, et cetera, give us a bit of a definition or a potted version of of what myotherapists do. Yeah, there's quite
1: a lot of crossover, um, quite a lot of crossover, and everyone treats um, musculoskeletal injuries. And I'd probably say in terms of myotherapy, myotherapy is probably a lot more hands-on than osteo can be quite hands-on too. But physios, I'd say... They give you quite a lot of um, exercises when you're injured, which is fantastic, and you absolutely need them. So I, I'd say people come to a myotherapist more if they've got chronic ongoing pain or uh, injuries or issues that they haven't been able to resolve. Um, so overuse injuries, et cetera, uh, headaches, back pain. Physios, I'd say more their scope of practice, um, I would probably send people, you know, post-surgery or if they would um, had a dislocation or ligament tear more acute type injury i'd say and osteo um well they're quite all rounded they do a bit of everything and they also can do you know manipulation as well so osteos are fantastic as well they can also they also do exercises um so i'm a myotherapist and exercise scientist so i like I, the exercise component of um of what we do in my therapy is so important. So I don't like just getting someone on the table and doing hands-on stuff because it's great and it feels fantastic, but it it is often uh, a bit of a Band-Aid. So things will return if you don't um, manage them yourself as well, away from the treatment room.
0: Yeah. And, And talking about injuries and the kind of things you treat, what are the most common swimming injuries that you would see?
1: They're often for master swimmers in particular, um, overuse injuries. So, obviously, a lot of uh, master swimmers tend to be over the age of 40. So, and they've often been swimming for many, many years. So, I'd say, um, and, and in particular, neck and shoulder, obviously. I mean, the shoulder is a very versatile joint, but it's also very unstable. Um, so, it needs a lot of strength to support and stabilize the joint. So you see a lot of tendon issues, um, so tendinopathy. So that's degeneration of the tendon, which is very, very common as we get older because it's about overuse and repetition. So you can imagine uh, swimming is so repetitive, you know, the actions of swimming. Mm -hmm. And over the years, it's just and it's absolutely normal for any overhead um, athlete, you know, tennis, swimming, whatever it might be, that they'll start to get niggles. Um, and that sort of coincides with the type of training that you're doing. So you often see or feel those issues coming on when there's a change in your training
0: program. Yeah. And how how would you, like, What how do you approach someone with um, an overuse injury in the shoulder as a swimmer? What, what do you do?
1: You really need to talk to them about their training
0: load. Um, often
1: people come in with these when there is a change in the program uh, they might have upped the duration intensity um, or frequency of their program so that's often a a big one you know you might be changing from you know more sprint based to then doing a lot of long distance so just that change in load and then the other thing to take in consideration is if um with the sessions you know they're quite big long sessions fatigue plays a huge part in that so you know your stroke might be great the first half of the session but if that you know once you get fatigued that you know often your stroke tends to fall apart a little bit so just little things like if you know you get tired and you might swim over you know past the midline of your body well that puts excessive sort of flexion internal rotation on that arm so if you're doing that, you know, the back end of your training session every time, these niggles will start to surface and and um you'll get to the stage where you know it, it really is troublesome for you, most likely to start within the pool and then you know, day-to-day activities outside of the pool, you'll start to notice this as well.
0: Yeah. And then if you you see someone coming with that kind of um overuse injury and is it sort of common to see them for quite a few sessions of massage, or is it able um, to help sort of irregularly? How does that work with the tendon? With overuse
1: injuries like tendinopathies, which are very common, um, especially in the rotator cuff part of the you know with the shoulder, the rotator cuff muscles and tendons are normally the culprits for mass as massage might help a little bit but ultimately it's the strength training um and 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 unfortunately people tendon issues just hang around like it's not a quick fix so if you get onto it early you will get over it a lot quicker you've got to understand with tendon issues this has sort of been building up over years and years and years And, um, as soon as you feel some pain or discomfort, it's a warning system, basically it's your brain saying you need to uh, do something about this. So in terms of how many sessions they would, come, well, that really depends on what stage they're at. You know, if they've sort of just put up with the pain, like a lot of people do and just sort of swum through it, it'll be fine. It's going to take a lot longer to rectify, rectify tendon issues can, can, you know, they can be months and months and months, unfortunately. Um, but Sometimes it might just be that the surrounding muscles are are just tense and and fatigued and you can do some work through the shoulder joint and they feel fine. Um, But often you really do need to stabilise the joint and that's by building up strength through the, the muscles. So if someone comes in with that issue into the clinic, they generally don't leave with just soft tissue massage work. They, I will give them one or two exercises to two as well when they leave. Yeah, yeah. What so, kind of
0: exercises would you recommend for that kind of an injury? Uh, look, strength training of the shoulder joint. So strengthening the
1: smaller shoulder muscles, not the you know the large muscle groups that we. Uh, tend to do when we're at the gym. So the rotator calf muscles are smaller um, and they do need to be strengthened. So really, I mean, there is a, I can't physically show you here, but it, it doesn't really matter what you do so much as long as you know something else. It be, uh, exercises used with a band or a light dumbbell body weight, for example. So um, it can be a, a quite a few different things. What I would also say though, is a lot of the time with you know, shoulder injuries, it's also the lack of mobility that people have. So working on your mobility is really important. And for swimmers, your thoracic, so that's your middle back. Um, I'd say 99% of swimmers that come into the clinic have that rounded back, you know, the middle, you know, almost like a small kyphotic, kyphosis. So getting them to work on strengthening and, and mobilising through the middle back um, is, is one of the things that we start pretty early on
0: yeah so um a lot of band work on those smaller muscles and is that something that you'd be recommending that swimmers do on pool deck before they get in the water or um look
1: i i with the band doesn't have to be bands it can be dumbbells it could be body weight work so there is there's so many things you can do and people don't like to be given exercises when they come into the. you know it's something that they're like oh do i really have to do that but It it is really important. You've got to understand, especially as a Masters athlete, that, you know, once you hit age 40, um, you know, you just lose um, bone mass as well. So we need to, being swimmers, we're not doing weight-bearing exercise. So that's where weight-bearing exercise like strength training is so important because um, if we're not getting that from swimming we need to get it elsewhere so um by doing a bit of strength training and that also helps with your mobility and your flexibility as well and increasing the bone mass so it it, and you don't have to be doing it you know a 60 minute program three days a week one or two exercises is all you need so if you do it um as a sort of Reactivation activation exercise before you get in the pool or you dedicate, you know, 15 minutes a day, I'm just going to do my exercise to, to keep those muscles nice and strong. And then the mobility exercises on top of that, sort of trying to open up through the chest because as swimmers we're a bit more concave.
0: Yeah. And obviously the, the lifestyle we lead these days with a lot of people over the computer and and things like that over a desk, that sort of, you know, increases that sort of bending forward over the shoulders as well. Yeah, a lifestyle exacerbates that for sure. And, and then, I mean,
1: the exercise is incredibly important. Um, so to be able to get into the pool and do that. But again, yeah, it, it sort of exaggerates that, you know, the middle back um, inflexibility. So working on on your foam roller or um, by doing specific mobility exercises, I think it should just be part of you as a Masters athlete in particular because um, that's where we start to see those wear and tear um injuries starting to present and so looking after your body so you can actually do what you love is is important
0: yeah absolutely i mean when i first came back to master swimming i hadn't swum for like 20 years or something like that hopped in and started doing the sessions and suddenly got that kind of shoulder injury myself and had bursitis but since i've actually done a lot of that activation and mobilization and opened up my thoracic i remember the first the first time I went on a roller, I couldn't even I couldn't even roll over the top of it. It was that tight. But yeah, and that that's so common. I mean, there's one particular
1: exercise I like to give people on the roller, and it's actually a really lovely exercise to do, but most people have just such um, lack of movement through that area that they actually find it painful. You've got to remember too, if you're quite in you know rigid through the thoracic spine, that extension and rotation that should be happening there it's not happening. So there's more load going up to the neck and down to the lower back. So that creates it can create problems in your neck and shoulders and, and in your lower back as well. So um it, it is it and as I said I know time's a factor people already swimming and it takes time to get there and do their session. But you really only need you know 10-15 minutes a day to dedicate to that. Um if you can. It, it is it is worth it. And I see you do it all the time. There's a couple of Marlins yeah. that you know they do that, they do their spiky ball <laughs> up against the wall yeah. before or after the session. So yeah, it's it's good to see. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'd love to see more master swimmers doing that on pool deck. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be good um, you know, for them
1: i think a lot of people don't know maybe what they should be doing as well and you know they get scared of having to or just don't have the time to do you know too many things so by just saying you know five to ten minutes is all you need um
0: it would probably prevent a lot of issues term. Um, yeah, long- yeah. <laughs> and so can myotherapy in itself be a preventative measure or is it always you're always seeing someone after this injury occurs or injuries in general uh
1: no so i do have quite a few simmers that come in it might be every four or six weeks just to keep on top of tightness or um tension that they might be getting and and they do like to do that because they like it they feel it helps them um prevent you know future injury so yeah you do see unfortunately see a lot most people come in when they're injured and they've sort of left it a bit too long but then you've got another you know group of people that they just they use it for um prevent you know preventative um sort of uh more preventative than you know acute injury which
0: yeah. we'd like to see a bit more of <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly I always like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast a fast five questions, just um, not too onerous, but just the first thing that pops into your mind. Favourite pool you've ever swum at?
1: Uh, that would be when we're living in Sydney, in the North
0: Sydney pool, yeah. So <laughs> doing that. Sh- Second question, um, do you prefer kick or pull? Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, kick. My My background is taekwondo and jack yeah. and,
0: and field so i'm all legs yeah. <laughs> Poor for everyone, boys. For everyone no enjoyable for me <laughs> for everyone listening she is a great kicker that's true <laughs> morning or afternoon training which do you prefer
1: morning yeah i think as as i've gotten older i if i don't train in the morning and that's not just swimming it's i, I do a bit of cycling as well i i just don't do it time yeah. gets away and yeah absolutely morning (laughs) but not not like 5 a.m morning i'm talking you know maybe 7 30 onwards
0: (laughs) that sounds nice (laughs) what's your favorite thing to eat before you have a training session what kind of food would you eat anything particular oh anything not really particular about what i eat i
1: i I love eating and i love food so whatever's in the (laughs) cup i like for this morning just a lot of we've been given a a bag load of bag load load of figs from a good friend and so i just had them with muesli and they were delicious so i'm not so fussy about that now when i was younger more so but yeah just probably not a big um fried breakfast that would be (laughs) that
0: would be yeah not very nice on the stomach either yeah i don't yeah (laughs) (laughs) and favorite all-time training set one that involves lots of social
1: socialisation and talking. I'm not really fussy, but um, as I didn't swim when I was younger, I find the sessions with a lot of um, form strokes are not enjoyable for me. <laughs> yeah, so lots of
0: freestyle and kicking. <laughs> yeah, freestyle and kicking. Do you, do you swim much form these days, or just stick to freestyle? Oh, I look. I'll do it.
1: I don't mind butterfly. I've always probably, you know, I just power through it. There's not much technique, and I don't mind doing backstroke. Now, 100 recoveries. (laughs) Um, So I don't. I think it's important to do all strokes, and by doing all strokes, you do reduce your risk of injury as well. So I think it is important, as much as I despise breaststroke, but. absolutely and that's what I like about master swimming that you know you you just have to do that and they they put it all in and that's I think that's really good to to look and I've then from there got a real enjoyment from butterfly sort of (laughs) Sort
0: of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Kerry. It's been really good. And I think everyone listening um is gonna have a much better idea of what a myotherapist does and how that can help their swimming moving forward. Thanks, Danielle. It's good to be here. See you. Yeah. See you later. Bye. Thank you, Bob. Hope you enjoyed my chat with Kerry. She's certainly given us something to think about with preactivation and managing swimming injuries. Links to connect to Kerry will be in the show notes of this episode. We've been really busy over the last few weeks getting an exciting new idea to come to fruition. It will launch in the not too distant future and I hope you will find it informative and exciting. Watch out on our socials to see when it launches. As always, follow and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify or your preferred listening platform. And leave us a review on Apple. You'll find that little tag underneath all the episodes on leave us a review. That really helps other people find the podcast. Till next time, happy swimming and bye for now.